Carl's Jr.'s new guacamole double cheeseburger is only 299 bucks. You forgot the decimal? Only 299 bucks. Not decibel, decimal. The guacamole double cheeseburger is only $2.99 at Carl's Jr. Oops. Available for a limited time. Price participation may vary. Tax not included. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Don't you understand? Don't you understand why you're not allowed to compete? You can't get that through your head? Don't you know why? Don't you know that you're not physically able to compete? Your doctors say you're not ready. These people don't want you to wind up in a wheelchair. They want to see you compete. Everybody wants to see you compete. But in due time, Steve, in due time. Listen to McMahon, get the violin. Get a hold of yourself. Telling the truth makes all the sense in the world. Hey, you better be talking to those guys over there. I say put him in a slammer. Listen. Don't you know, people care. In the World Wrestling Federation, we care, they care. They care about you, that's all it is. And you just gotta go with it. In other words, in other words, you simply you got to work within the system. That's all you got to do. Is simply work within the system. You know as well as I do that this is what I do for a living. This is all that I do. And can't nobody tell I, I ain't the best in the damn world. say nothing. Don't say nothing. Sit here and tell me to work within the system. You ain't the one sitting on your ass in the house like I am. But if it's that, if that's what it takes to make you or the World Wrestling Federation happy, hell, I feel like Cool Hand Luke. I'll work within your stupid little system. That's all these people ask. I appreciate the fact that you and the World Wrestling Federation care. And I also appreciate the fact that hell, you can kiss my ass. Under the 
Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and today I'm joined by another host. He is one of the hosts of the podcast Shake Them Ropes, also part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. It's Rob McCarran. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Well, hello. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it is fun to be here. I look forward to talking about one of the most iconic theme songs in history and one of the most iconic superstars in history. Yes. yes. Well, it's good to have you on, Rob. I know that there's always some anxiety trying to book people you know, on your podcasts, you know, waiting for responses. So when I put the call up in the prestigious VOW Slack chat uh, asking if anyone wanted to do this episode, I was a little nervous because nobody answered for a few minutes, but then you popped in and answered the call. So thank you, Rob, for alleviating my worries. Oh, no problem. I, I know how that can be. I've, uh, I've tried to get guests on our show before, and it's always nerve wracking to the point where I try not to get guests anymore because it's just too much goes into it. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, you were, you're thrown in this position. You got to get people for your show and you got to see who you click with. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting time for you. As you get different guests for this show, it'll be an interesting time for everyone listening as they listen to different voices talking about the uh, the music of pro wrestling. Um, so yeah, just don't don't be nervous. It's okay. People want to do this show with you. It'll be all right. Well, listen, uh, with you on the show, I know I'm in good hands because you're a smart man, Rob. Because I heard you on Five Star Match Game whooping Jeff Hawkins' ass in that trivia. Whooping his ass to the point where people thought I was cheating. I was dominating so much because the only categories of pro wrestling history I would do well in are NXT and mid 2000s WWF. So, I mean, those were my bread and butter right there. Uh, but yes, I got accused by more than one people of cheating on five star match game because I was killing him so bad. Uh, I did not cheat. I am just a genius. I am well prepared. Uh, I am probably the best prepared, non-prepared person you'll ever meet. <laughs> It's good to know. It's good to know. So episode 21, and this is a biggie, possibly the biggest episode we've ever done on the podcast in terms of just how massively popular the wrestler that we're covering is. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Texas Rattlesnake, the Bionic Redneck. He's a man of many names, as we'll see later on. Austin, arguably the most popular pro wrestler of all time, certainly the most popular wrestler of the 90s during his heyday, uh, the Attitude Era, of course, the resurgence of the WWF to becoming this global juggernaut. It's the house that Stone Cold built. A lot of people have their Mount Rushmore's of pro wrestling. Chances are he's on a lot of them because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's hard to really capture just how big he was. It's the type of popularity and fame that the WWE have been chasing ever since the Attitude Era ended all those years ago. Rob, um, we'll start with you uh, because you are, uh, shall we say, the more experienced wrestling viewer between the two of us. Uh, was Austin a big part of your growing up as a wrestling fan? I have to imagine so, right? 
Oh, well, uh, yes, of course. Uh, I mean, Steve Austin was the reason uh, that I got into WWF. I was a WCW fan. I was into WCW first. I was, uh, I was really into the big Sting Hulk Hogan angle going on. Um, and I've told this uh, story on Shake Them Ropes and my podcast with Jeff Hawkins tons of times. I, I started watching WWF, uh, funnily, funnily enough, because Jeff Jarrett jumped from WCW back to WWF. That's right. That is right. So Jeff Jarrett being on WWF made me watch that shoot promo and everything. And then as I started watching the show, it was all about Steve Austin. And I got into the WWF because of Steve Austin. It was that guy. Uh, and that's what, uh, you know, I, I stayed with WCW all the way to the end. Um, and I, I think part of the reason why I, I stayed with WWF so long, because when WCW ended and you had the big Alliance storyline, and we'll get into plenty of Alliance talk. Oh, yes, we will. Uh, with, we will. Yep. With Steve Austin is um, that craziness of character and how big the summer of 2000 was, uh, was for Steve Austin. Um, I, I just loved it. I, you know, I, I watched him and I, I kept watching the WWF because of Steve Austin and I stayed with it because of Steve Austin. Uh, and when he, when he went away, uh, there was definitely a slow period in my fandom in, in WWF. And yeah, I, he's probably one of the bigger benchmarks of pro wrestling for myself as a fan. Certainly what kept me in it after WCW closed. Yeah. One of the biggest regrets that I have as a wrestling fan is that I never got to see the Austin run in real time. Oh, wow. It's yeah. always it's always been in clips. Mm -hmm. My first Austin was when he was co-GM of Raw with Eric Bischoff in 2003. He was still causing ruckus. He was still drinking, drinking beer, the stunners, the fingers, the works, all of it. And that was all fun to watch. But it's not the same as watching Stone Cold, the active wrestler, fighting Mr. McMahon, fighting the corporation, fighting The Rock, and Taker mm -hmm. and Foley and Triple H and all those guys, it's just not the same. And I'm con I'm convinced if if I had started watching wrestling earlier than I had, Austin could have been my favorite wrestler of all time instead of The Undertaker. I'm convinced of that because even though he wasn't a traditional happy-go-lucky white meat babyface that kids tend to drift towards, he still had this charismatic aura around him. That made him so attractive to people. You know, it was a combination of his his no frills everyman persona, the plain black trunks, the plain black boots, drinking the beer, giving the finger, the swearing. People can relate to that. People can also relate to hating their boss and wanting to beat them up on a regular basis. I mean, kids don't have bosses, uh, but they have teachers they don't like. They have parents that they don't want to listen to. You know, Austin was the avatar to live out those fantasies for a lot of people. Austin was also, he was just a badass who fought tooth and nail for what he wanted. And who doesn't love a badass? And of, of course, of course, there's the entrance and his music, such an integral part of the Stone Cold character mm -hmm. and legacy that you can't imagine him without it. The glass shattering, the guitar riffs, the pounding drums, the Stone Cold walk that he would do as he came to the ring. It's all ingrained in wrestling fans' DNA at this point. You know, no matter what's going on at a show, when the glass shatters, the place is going to explode. And a lot of it, too, I, a lot of those moments and mannerisms happen during his entrance. So you tie mm -hmm. not only the mannerisms with Steve Austin, but you tie it to the music. So it, it all goes hand in hand. 
And yeah, Steve Austin, I got, um, you talk about how you didn't see the big run of Steve Austin in real time. That's the first part of Steve Austin I saw. I came in there in, you know, late 1997, early 1998, as he was running into his mania match with Shawn Michaels. So I only got to see the badass Steve Austin that would become the biggest star. I didn't see the stuff uh, through the mid Atlantic or the mid South and, and WCW. I didn't see any of what was the previous version of Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. I only saw when he was the badass, stunning Vince McMahon. So to me as, you know, an 11 and 12 year old, that was so crazy cool to see that I, I wasn't building up into it. And I, I just came right into the heyday of WWF. And it was so much different than WCW to this day. I still wonder how I was watching WCW for three years as a priority over WWF after seeing all that, because, um, I, I think part of it was, I was so into the Austin stuff, but that was it. Like, that's all I wasn't enjoying about the WWF. And, and that's all I wanted to see. Uh, and WCW offered a little bit more for me at the time, but yeah, Steve Austin was the uh, big deal. So it's interesting. It is always interesting to think of when people get in to uh, a certain promotion or get into pro wrestling, uh, because what you see then might be the biggest thing of all time. You know, mm. it, it might be the great, that's why I'm still a fan of Jeff Jarrett to this day. Cause Jeff Jarrett was a big part of WWF with that jump and a big part of WCW in my early years of fandom. So I always thought Jeff Jarrett was a big, huge star. It, it's funny to think now that people are going to grow up thinking Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are the biggest stars ever because they're coming in at the top of the shield and, right. and thinking 10 years down the line. Not that there's not that that's wrong. Not that that's silly. I mean, that's just what kids watching the show now as 12 year olds will think in 15 years because that's what they grew up with. Yeah. It's all about, it's a good point. It's all about point of entry. When do you start watching something when you do, especially as a kid, that's what you're going to think is the greatest thing ever. You know, so many people think that Steve Austin is just stone cold Steve Austin. That's all he was. It's all he's ever been. It's all ever be. But Steve Austin is more than just a bunch of broken glass. He's more than just middle fingers. He's more than just Austin 316. You know, he's WCW. He's ECW. He's USWA. He's he's had plenty of years in his career before he struck gold as the Texas Rattlesnake. You know, plenty of entrance themes as well. I know everyone and their mother knows uh, the Stone Cold theme, but there's so many Steve Austin themes that people don't know. And the point of this episode is to not just discuss... The, the, the classic themes, but also the themes that you may not know and to get a different side of Steve Austin and to encompass his entire career. Um, and that's what we're going to do right now. So, Rob, if you're ready, let's head on down to 316 Gimmick Street, open up a can of audio whoop-ass, and discuss the theme history of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Danny Davis is going to be on his way to the ring here in just a moment, and he's going to be battling uh, stunning Steve Austin, who is... See if we can get Steve over here. Steve, if you don't mind, Steve and, and Jeannie is with him. If we can get him over here for just a moment. This man has been named Rookie of the Year by Professional Wrestling Illustrated. That's uh, what uh, Jeff Jarrett was named Rookie of the Year some time ago, and you have just been named Rookie of the Year. Exactly, exactly. I am the Rookie of the Year for 1990. And things have been going real well for me and Jeannie. But uh, what I want to talk about, the only reason I am here today, the only reason I am in the Mid-South, is because of that Southern title that Jeff Jarrett's got around his waist. Now, I think Jeff Jarrett is one heck of a wrestler. He's a great athlete. 
But when you look at studying Steve Austin, you see a man with the tools to do it all. I've done a lot in the short time that I've been in the sport, and I want people to start looking at me as being the greatest wrestler ever. And I don't think I'll have any problem getting that belt from Jeff Jarrett. Well, it's a tough belt to get. It's a tough belt to hold. So, uh... Well, let me tell you something. Stunning Steve Austin, he's the greatest, he's awesome, and you're fixing to see him in action right now. Exactly, so why don't I just start the match right now? All right. you like that? Let's do that. Steve Austin, Stunning Steve, with Genie in his corner. We begin in the USWA. That's where Austin first made a name for himself as Stunning Steve Austin. The first theme he used was in 1989 off the album Fair Warning. This is Van Halen with Unchained. Austin and I have something in common. We're both big fans of Van Halen. Austin loves Van Halen quite a bit. He actually had David Lee Roth on his podcast once. Unchained, not the biggest Van Halen song, but it's definitely beloved because from note one, this song kicks major ass. From that chunky as fuck opening guitar riff to the rhythm section kicking in to Dave's swaggering vocals to the hook and beyond. Unchained is a fantastic jam, easily one of my favorite Van Halen songs. It's it's everything that I love about Van Halen, where it's heavy metal, but it's also fun. You've got these pounding drums from Alex Van Halen, the deep bass from Michael Anthony, Eddie is delivering these killer riffs, but even then the atmosphere is still upbeat in a party. You've got Dave doing his shtick with the spoken word bit later on. There's a lot of heavy metal out there that you can classify as doom and gloom, but I've never felt that way listening to a Van Halen song. I can always get perked up listening to Van Halen. It's very, you're right, and it's the funness of this song that actually fits the Steve Austin character. When I was when I was first listening to this in the context of a Steve Austin theme, I was thinking, does this song really fit? Like Steve Austin, obviously a big fan of Van Halen. Um, but does this fit Steve Austin, really? And I'm like, as I'm listening to it, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? Steve Austin going into this new era, uh, you know, he, he can be going in there as a fun guy. He, he had the long blonde hair. Um, you see some of the segments of, of his USWA run, and you can think, okay, Unchained really fits. Um, at the other time, like it, it is a bipolar theme to me in a way, because uh, in another era, I'm like, I'm thinking... Steve Austin running down to this ring or walking down yeah. to this, this ring, really. I, yeah. There's not a lot of room in there. Walking to this ring with Unchained playing 
I'm thinking you're going to get 40 seconds maybe of Unchained. Yeah. Does this fit Steve Austin or was this just a song Steve Austin liked so he played it coming to the ring? To me, this was like an indie theme where a guy just picks a song he likes and not necessarily a song that fits his personality. And I could be completely wrong there, uh, but obviously this was a huge Van Halen fan uh, because it was not the only song he used for himself. No, no, yeah. This is, it's weird to think of Stone Cold coming out to this song, of course, but yeah. again, this is stunning Steve. Correct, exactly. This is the young, flowing blonde hair, the mm-hmm. piercing blue eyes, the pastel colored trunks. He was a different guy, a different character, mm-hmm. the, the cocky young heel. He looked like actually he could have been in Van Halen, really. Oh, sure. Which would have been fun to see, you know, him singing in that deep Texas voice of his, come on and dance the night away. Hey-ho. But yeah, it's it, the stunning Steve. It, it fits this character is, is youthful exuberance, certainly. It was a short-lived song. So, um, you know, it, it got him started. But as I, I, I think, I have a feeling that as Steve Austin was was coming to the ring and doing what he was doing, he changed it to a different Van Halen song because I just have this feeling that he didn't think it was working for himself either. Well, as we'll see with the next one, I think it's a little bit of a better fit for Austin's character, definitely. Yes. Yeah, so this yes. next song is, he used it from 1989 to 1991. This is another Van Halen song. This one is off of the first Van Halen album, uh, the self-titled debut, also known as Van Halen 1. This is Runnin' with the Devil. The Van Halen song that pretty much everyone knows and that I never have to hear again because I've heard it 80 billion times over the course of my life and classic rock radio doesn't realize that there are more than six Van Halen songs out there that you can play. Um, They have a lot of songs, but in any event, this is an iconic Van Halen song that we shouldn't have to spend too long talking about because chances are you can put your ear to a seashell. And that song will be playing off of it. Um, it's a bit slower than Unchained, a, a lot, a bit weightier. It, it's less frantic, uh, so it's much better suited, I think, for a heel like Stunning Steve, as opposed to Unchained, because Unchained is more up and party and babyfacey than this one. Uh, here you've got, you know, those opening bass notes, those do do do. The tempo is slower, the riff is a lot juicier, it's a lot heavier than Unchained, I think. So it's better equipped for a heel to handle, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Like I said, I I think this is the song that, you know, Steve Austin wanted to use something iconic. Maybe he was told, hey, let's pick out a different theme, and he went with this one. I just thought it fit his character a little bit better, at least the character is portraying, even with the long blonde hair, even with the... uh, 
the different character, obviously, than what he would become famous for later on. Uh, it was just a, it's a cool song. It got you into it. Uh, everyone knows the beginning of it. Everyone knows the song by now. Uh, do you think Steve Austin is a fan of the Sammy Hagar Van Halen? You know, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, if he says he's a Van Halen fan, perhaps. I mean, there are, of course, people who say, I, I like DLR Van Halen better. And there are people who say, I like Sammy Van Halen better. There are people who say both, like me. But, you know, I never I never looked into it. I'll, I'll look into it, Rob. I'll look into it. I, I, I'm just curious, because here it is, you know, the, uh, the late 80s, right. early 90s. Uh, David Lee Roth had been gone for about five years at this point. He didn't want to pick anything current, oh, like anything that was currently out there. He wanted to pick the iconic that's good, stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how weird it would be if someone, you know, say, obviously music is a lot different on pro wrestling right now. Uh, but if someone was out there choosing between Audio Slave and, you know, different Chris Cornell songs or, uh, you know, anything out there, like when, when band members change and whether they change their name or not. Like, it's interesting to see what songs you're going to go with. I, I don't know if Steve Austin would be a big Sammy Hagar fan. Probably, I, He seems to me the type of guy that once DLR left, he was like, you know what? I'm done with it. I'm living I'm living in the uh, right. the golden age, and I'm not going to this new stuff. I'm done with this new stuff, kid. Oh, for God's sake, you stupid son of a bitch. Take your tequila and hit the bricks. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so, I guess it's a, it's a good point, yeah. It's so funny because if I was thinking, what is the Van Halen song I would I would picture when you said, you know, the band name Van Halen? I think to me it would be Panama. I'm looking at this Rolling Stone article here, what the reader picks for top Van Halen songs, and mm-hmm. I was stunned when number one is Unchained. Ah, yeah, there we go. I, I can't believe it. I was expecting Panama or was I, I was expecting Running with the Devil. But no, Panama is number two to oh. Unchained. So maybe oh. it's even more iconic than we thought. Perhaps, perhaps. It's it's an, it's an underground favorite. It came from behind. Who knew? Yeah, there Who we knew? go. Hey, yeah. Look at that. Look. Rolling yeah. Stone keeping track that. of Steve Austin's themes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this theme, uh, Running with the Devil, was also used, by the way, by Davey Richards early in his career. You know, ah, old, that's right. Good old Davey coming out to Van Halen. How about that? I do recall that now that you say it, because it was not an iconic Davey Richards theme. No, no, means. no. He's had more iconic themes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what I will always remember as far as this song and its connection to wrestling is uh, this song was used in the classic WCW film Ready to Rumble, where David Arquette and Scott Kahn are in the van with the nuns. And one of them has an acoustic guitar, and they sing "Running with the Devil" with the nuns. Yes, and oh, do. those nuns are farting. Oh, but they're no. nuns. They shouldn't be doing that. Whackity schmackity do. Oh. Comedy. Comedy. David Arquette. Comedy, Comedy gold. legend. Comedy gold. My goodness. One more Austin theme from the USWA, and it was used in 1990. It's not Van Halen. It's actually quite a ways removed from Van Halen. It's. David Bowie off the album Young Americans. This is fame. Thank you. 
as odd as it is to imagine Stone Cold walking out to Van Halen, it's not 100% out of the realm of possibility. Because it's still a hard rock, metal song, a genre that works for Stone Cold. But this is David Bowie. And Bowie has had his periods where he's done the harder edge stuff. You know, like in the Ziggy Stardust era. Uh, the Man Who Sold the World album has some pretty heavy stuff. But this isn't that. This is the album Young Americans. This is Bowie heavily inspired by Philadelphia Soul, R&B, Funk. You know, I, I'm done with Ziggy Stardust and moving on to something else. And that something else is a song like Fame. Now, picture 1999 Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out to this funky brew, doing the Austin walk, raising the middle fingers. It's pretty strange to imagine. But again, this is a different man. Stone Cold would not be around for many years. This is still Stunning Steve. It's Stunning Steve, but this of all of the theme songs that we're going to talk about uh, on this show, fame is the most out of place. Yes. Uh, it's as if Steve Austin just saw the title, saw what he wanted to be. You know, he's he's get, he's been around for a couple of years now. He right. feels like he's famous. It's his gimmick. He's the Hollywood blonde to be. Uh, like, I'm going to pick a song that has the title that I want, not necessarily the flow or the sound that goes well with anything um, popular song. So people would know what it was, but yeah, this, this is most out of place music in a pro wrestling venue. I don't even know of any gimmick in history. I would give this theme song to like, I don't know anyone. I was, I was thinking the same thing because fame is not a David Bowie song that you would really pick for a wrestling theme. Even if it's for a funky gimmick. Yeah. The song itself is about the perils of fame. So it doesn't really work for a baby face or a heel. So as good as the song is, uh, it just doesn't gel well with wrestling. No, it doesn't gel well for if you're paying attention to the words, it doesn't work. If you're just paying attention to the sound, it doesn't work. If you're just trying to watch the guy enter to the ring and this is in the background, you're just confused. Yes, very, very odd choice for Austin to use this one. Yeah, I think the Van Halen tape just broke. <laughs> I use, he's going to a show one day and he's like, play my song, kid. And there's no song to play. And you got to go to the cassette. And what hasn't been worn down? No fame, because no one's using it. We are here with stunning Steve Austin. The match has been signed for a Halloween Havoc for the U.S. title. You and Dustin Rhodes. And there's one Colonel Rob Parker. He says he had a lot to do with that. It really doesn't matter who had a lot to do with getting the match. The important thing is, I've got the match. Dustin Rhodes know, knows that I have his number. He never could beat me for the world television title. So he should be right for the picking. And when I think about Dustin Rhodes, Shivani, I think about his old man because he's a second-generation wrestler. He's followed in his father's footsteps and rode on his coattails too long. You look at Dustin Rhodes, he's got the same stupid haircut as his father, and he's got the same stupid beer gut his father still carries around to this day. So, Dustin Rhodes, you're not a model for the people. You're looking at stunning Steve Austin, one one big, tall, good-looking, muscular young man. And I think, Tony Shivani, times are hard. The people need a hero. I'm ready to be that hero for the people. Yeah, but I don't think the people care that much about you, Steve. It might be so blunt. It doesn't matter if the people care for me or not, Tony Schiavone. I believe in myself. And you're looking at the ultimate wrestler in the 90s. Stunning Steve's time has arrived. You're looking at the next United States champ, whether you like it or not. Stunning Steve and his shot at the U.S. title. Fans will see you next week. In 1991, Stunning Steve Austin signs the dotted line 
with World Championship Wrestling and makes his debut there. His new entrance theme, used from 1991 to 1993, is from a production library. So, adios Van Halen. See ya, David Bowie. The library is called Telemusic, and the theme is A Roman Love One. Very fitting that this song is called A Roman Love, because it sounds very Romanesque, very gladiatorial, with the horns, yeah. the deep drums, yes. the clashing cymbals. Oh, yeah. It's all very epic. And having a song like this be your entrance theme as a heel, it really accentuates the pomposity of Boston's character, the whole stunning Steve Austin gimmick of him being this classic, arrogant, better than you type of heel he's above the common man he's elevated over the rest of us very reminiscent actually of mr perfect's theme that same type of classical style and yeah. same type of of heelishness so very very appropriate use of this type of genre for stunning steve to use yeah i would say it's very appropriate um you just watch some of steve austin's uh, or stunning steve's entrances during this music being played and it, it, you're right it's very pompous music it's very it's very gorgeous georgie it's very chris mastersy if you want to go mm, with different yes, realms who would have yes. these types of musics the bodybuilder the flamboyant bodybuilder who's not only thinking he's better than you but looks better than you steve austin's got the looking better than you part uh right. he's got in his promos that he thinks he's better that he's flashy what's interesting though when you have this type of music is you have to play it up in your entrance to the ring and he had the valet, and he had uh, he had different types of entrances and everything. But he wasn't; he's just walking straight to the ring as this music is playing. It's not like he's playing it up. He's not he's not uh, on the stage turning at the different tones of the music, uh, as you would see later in entrances as they get more flamboyant as as time goes on. Uh, it, it was a very a very on the record pick, a very on the map pick. But mm. it, it, to me, it didn't a hundred percent gel together because Steve Austin in his entrance wasn't playing it up. It, it's it's almost like so far what we've talked about with all of his themes are they all fit his look. They they mostly might be music that he himself likes, but he's not comfortable doing the character yet. He hasn't found who he's going to be. Like this yeah. is the absolute it, it's it's hard in real time to see how this would play out, but you know what Steve Austin becomes later on and looking back at it you're thinking, well, this was a guy clearly that was trying a couple of different things, thought he knew what might work, but he wasn't comfortable yet. And this theme music to me, almost more than fame being so out of place. This is the theme right here that you just think, you know what? This was Steve Austin playing something that he's just not. Yeah. He's going for a character type rather than being an actual character. Yeah. And it fit that character type perfectly. He just didn't play it up. Yeah. It didn't fit him. Like the music could have been dead on 
for for what a character like that could have been. But Steve Austin, stunning Steve at that point, wasn't playing it up. And you talk about how it was used, uh, you know, out of a music library. And that's what WCW really did. I mean, all the way up to their clothes, they just kept using re- regular generic theme music that they could get uh, license free. You would see these things on sports highlight backgrounds. Mm. They, you would hear these music, these themes everywhere because they were just out of a, a catalog. I mean, no, no personality to them. Uh, yeah. this one, this one fit what Steve Austin could have been as stunning Steve, but it, it just wasn't a hundred percent gel to me because of what stunning Steve actually did on his way to the ring. Yeah. There's a really beautiful moment in the song where it transitions into this more like peaceful, pastoral sound with yeah. like a like, oh, yeah. like a windwood so like a, like an oboe or a flute or something reminds me of a section of the moody blues song tuesday afternoon It's all calm and nice and reminds you of like a a warm summer evening. It's that type of sound. It's an odd inclusion to have next to da 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 da. It's weird to have like arrogant gladiator, (laughs) better than you, Romanesque, side by side with peaceful, tranquil scene. It's it's very strange. So maybe that also didn't help Austin, Mm -hmm. you know, connect in that sense as well. I, I would agree. I, I would agree. And I don't know the hundred percent story on it either, because I, I just can't remember all the different Steve Austin biopics that have been around and, and documentaries. Um, but I, I have to imagine that Steve Austin was probably presented this theme or they chose it for him, or maybe it was one of a few themes. And this was the, the best or the least worst. Maybe he thought this was, but someone picked this theme out. Like this is what we imagine stunning Steve to be based on your look. And I don't, I don't think Steve Austin was going through the themes and like, yep, that's the one. That's the one I need. Give it to me. In 1993, Austin gets a new WCW theme, which lasts until the end of his WCW run in 1995. Another production library song, this one from Bosworth Backgrounds. It's called Satan's Sister.
So this is definitely the darker of the two Stunning Steve themes that he had. Definitely the more aggressive one of the two themes. And we know this because it starts with this very Terminator-esque synth beat in the beginning. This do 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 Before it transitions into a, a, a hard rock guitar riff and drum beat. And as the song goes on, you add on the more complex guitar solo underneath the main one. The drum has become more hectic until the entire song becomes this this heavy metal frenzy with wild guitar scales and, and fast drumming, fast as hell. Then it slows down again into this bluesier guitar solo and then it repeats. So this song certainly has a harder edge to it, definitely, than A Roman Love does, uh, especially since it's called Satan's Sister. And it's a nice preview of the roughness that we'll get later on with Austin's themes. And it's a nice preview of what we'll get later on with the roughness of Austin himself. You know, uh, themes reflecting uh, the wrestler, you've got these crazy guitars going nuts. Well, what do we know of Austin? A guy who goes nuts and beats people up. So it's definitely a perfect fit for Austin. As far as Stunning Steve, I know he was, wasn't the madman that Stone Cold was, but he was still presented as kind of this very tough guy, sort of aggressive type of wrestler. So this theme is definitely a good match for that side of Austin. Yeah, he's getting more aggressive. Uh, he's he's showing the tougher side. He's still got the long blonde hair, and he's still uh, playing that up uh, in parts, and especially the promos. But yeah, this is this is the turning point. If you're looking at the turning point in themes, you would imagine that if you're if you're looking at just the list of the theme music, and no promotions, no time periods. You're just listening to the different themes based on the list. You would think this would be his first WWF theme. Like this is where uh, Stunning Steve is gone and it's Steve Austin. Uh, but this is, I would say all the theme music up to this point is completely different. This is the true turning point because now you see all the music that's closer to, you know, Satan's sister, this, this generic theme. Uh, if it weren't for his first theme as the ringmaster, you would have a complete... Uh, tale of two Steve Austins in a row in in absolute uh, time symmetry here, but you you obviously get that thrown off when he enters into the WWF. Uh, but this was harder. This was pretty close. Uh, if you if you really want to stretch and listen to the similarities between uh, the the first theme of real Steve Austin, uh, you get more to his iconic theme. This is pretty close. I, for a generic theme that was just in a music catalog that WCW found, this is pretty close to what would be his eventual iconic WWF theme. Uh, and you're right, this is the start of the more aggressive Texas Rattlesnake almost a couple of years before he actually becomes that character. I was surprised to see the date that it was actually used starting in 1993. Because this totally seems like a 1995-1996 era Steve Austin theme. Um, he found a good one. It took him a while. It took him I mean, really four or five years. But this was this was the theme. Yes, generic. But this was the theme that eventually uh, shot Steve Austin into being Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it happened in WCW. And this song was also used when Austin was in the Hollywood Blondes tag team mm -hmm. with Brian Pillman who were an awesome team when they were around. But yeah, it's pretty cool to see uh, Austin having a theme that just sounds like an Austin theme. A uh, Roman love, sure, but you know that's 
It's not really not not really Steve Austin. Steve Austin is hard rock, as we've seen with Van Halen. He is metal. He is guitars and drums and just just being a badass. And this theme is this theme is definitely on the right track to him unveiling himself as being the, the badass. And it's kind of close that uh, like that for Brian Pillman too. Yeah, I mean Brian Pillman turning a corner uh, in his career and seeing what he would become. Uh, it's the same thing for him. You could see this theme being on Brian Pillman. And it's funny how these are come from these are these are themes that come from a production library uh, because Steve Austin, the Hollywood Blondes weren't the only ones to use it because it would get shuffled around. You know, WCW had these themes in a the catalog. They're going to reuse them. There were there were a few themes from guys that were used by different characters throughout the years. Uh, so if you were listening to WCW entrances throughout 2000, you would have heard this song again coming from other stars. I found a little list here of, of who used this theme after Austin and Pillman. Jake Roberts, mm. Marty Jannetty, Greg Valentine, and Blitzkrieg. <laughs> what an odd there, collection of guys that is. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely a name. Uh, you can even make a case for Blitzkrieg. That sounds pretty cool for him. You got the name and everything going on. But Greg Valentine coming out with that theme. I, you might as well give him a Roman Love one. What are you doing yeah, giving him it, Satan's sister? Exactly. <laughs> and Jake Roberts, too. It, it fits him, I think, well. Yeah, like sure. Kind of sinister type of guitar stuff. But uh, yeah, Greg the Hammer. Not exactly uh, known for his... his Heavy metal chops, uh, shall we say. <laughs> Craig Valentine coming out with the flowing blonde hair yeah. and the robe. And the old man gut, yeah. I mean, did they... Uh, it, it's unbelievable to me. Did they just think Steve Austin aged 25 <laughs> years in the span of two years and just gained a yeah. ton of weight? And they're like, hey, we got Steve Austin back. Let's give him his theme music back. You know, a couple of weeks ago, when Eric Bischoff told his secretary to tell her secretary... To leave a message on my answering machine for me to call Eric Bischoff. And then I called Eric Bischoff and he proceeded to fire me over the phone. I thought a big cloud was lifted off the career of Steve Austin. Because gone were the days where I'd go up to someone and say, Hey, what about me and Sting? We got this big thing going. How about the cage? And someone says, no, baby, that's for somebody else. We're just going to keep you right where you're at right now. <laughs> well, then I said, well, how about me and Savage, man? I got this great idea, man. He comes in. He's got the Slim Jim deal. Well, hell, I got... No, Steve, that's for somebody else, baby. <laughs> then you go... I've got this great idea I can do with Hulk Hogan. I'm going to be the Steve-O-Maniac, and we're going to take this thing all the way because Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, was the biggest thing to ever come down to wrestling's pike. And they say, no, that's not for you, brother. You can't do that. We're going to keep you right where you are. I said, how about me and Brian get back together? The Hollywood Blondes, it was the best tag team to come along in 10 years. And they say, no, Steve, we need you in a singles role, man. We need you to do this. We're going to put the U.S. title on you, and then we're going to take you here. And then you're the number one contender, so then you got this world title shot. Well, all that never happened. So there I am, floundering along. There's nothing going my way because the politics in WCW kept the biggest potential superstar in wrestling on the damn ground. What are you supposed to do? On one hand, 
They're paying you a bunch of money. They're paying me a bunch of money. Well, on this hand, they're telling me, hey, Go out there and give Bagwell a hell of a match. Go out there with an 18-year-old German kid. Give him seven good minutes. Let the people see what he can do. They say you are what you eat. In WCW, they didn't feed me nothing but garbage. So I let myself become garbage. I became complacent with everything that they said. As long as Big Ted kept sending in the checks, Maybe I wasn't happy with what was going on, but I became complacent. Then they send me to Japan, the big injury. Bischoff delivers a shot heard around the damn world. Steve Austin's out of the high-paying job. All of a sudden, the phone starts ringing off the hook. It's ECW. It's the WWF. It's all Japan. It's New Japan. And all Steve Austin's got to do is make a decision. Todd Gordon, whether he mortgaged his house one time, two times, maybe three times, came up with the right figure for Steve Austin to make a decision. I strolled into the ECW arena. It's the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. I broke in in a building called the Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas, home of the world-famous Von Erichs. Anybody that was anybody stepped foot in a Dallas Sportatorium. For the last two years, all you've heard about anywhere in wrestling is the famous ECW arena. Debut night, I roll in, you've got the Sandman, you've got the Raven, you've got the Pit Bulls, you've got Stevie Richards, you've got the Public Enemy, you've got the Gangsters, you've got Mikey Wickrep, whatever the hell his name is, you've got a bunch of damn misfits running around thinking that they can actually wrestle. All I've seen in ECW is a bunch of violent crap. And that's exactly what I'll call it, because that's what it is. Steve Austin is here to wrestle. It's what I do best. It's what I do better than anybody in the world. Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, they got the big send-off. Tears were in everybody's eyes. It was a big deal. All Steve Austin got was a good swift kick in the ass as Bischoff hung up the phone and left me high and dry. There's no Hogan's here. There's no Flares here. There's not a Dusty Rhodes. And there damn sure isn't an Eric Bischoff here. There's no one they can hold back Steve Austin now. Stunning, tossed it out the window. Never was meant to be. ECW is going to find out firsthand what Steve Austin can do. And I'm going to show everybody here exactly 
what a true superstar is supposed to do, what a true superstar is supposed to be. Because no one here can hold me back. Not Todd Gordon. Not Hulk Hogan. Not Eric Bischoff. Nobody. I'm going to be the superstar that I always knew that I could be. Because there's no one, no one in ECW that can stop me. Austin in WCW had some success. He won the WCW television title, the US title, the tag titles with Brian Pillman, but he never rose above the mid-card level. They didn't see anything in Austin as a main event level type of guy. And in 1995, when Austin gets injured on a Japan tour, WCW releases Austin from his contract. Where does he go next? The WWF? Eventually. But first, he makes a quick trip to Extreme Championship Wrestling. He's only there for a few months, but one cannot deny the importance of Austin's time there. Because it is there that he developed the foundations for his Stone Cold character. The defiant, anti-authority persona. Stunning Steve is gone. Instead, we get superstar Steve Austin. And his theme would be from the musical Jesus Christ Superstar by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. This is Superstar. get a return to the pomposity of a Roman love. Da-na-na, da-na-na, the horns, the whole works. Although this time, the pomposity may be even grander, considering Austin is using a song from Jesus Christ Superstar. I mean, just think of the implications of that. Yeah, it's, it's pompous, but it also fits in perfectly with the atmosphere of ECW and the fact mm. that Steve Austin was coming in as someone who just got fired by Eric Bischoff, but is still playing up that he's the greatest thing going. Like a guy who couldn't make it in WCW, but he's the greatest thing going. And I'm here in ECW and I'm going to come out to Jesus Christ Superstar. Like that's what I'm coming out to. I don't think it was even the sound of the music. I, I think Steve Austin was having a little fun here. And Paul Heyman was like, you know what you have to come out to, kid? <laughs> you have to come out to this ridiculous song that as soon as it plays in the ECW arena... It is going to get you booed Ooh. out of this place for life. Yeah. And he's playing it up. This was this was the fun period. Yeah. I and mean, this was basically Steve Austin on summer vacation. And he was going to play it up. And I thought this song was perfect for his ECW, his short ECW run, and perfect for the character that was going on. Like if you're just if you're just picking a song to have some fun, to go with this character, you could not have picked a better version 
for his WCW or for his ECW run. You couldn't pick Satan's sister. No. You couldn't even have his his eventual WWF themes. If if you came out to his iconic WWF theme in this version of his character in ECW, it would have been a failure. Mm-hmm. You had to come out to this. Yeah, this was Austin letting his hair down or whatever hair he had left down because uh, he was going balder by the second. Uh, this was him having fun. This was him, you know, letting loose and stretching. This was him outside of WCW, outside the, of the confines of this big, you know, global wrestling company and going to somewhere where he can be looser, where he can stretch his wings, mm-hmm. where Paul Heyman will let him do shoot promos. You know, when Eric Bischoff told his secretary to tell her sec I mean, it's one of the greatest promos ever. The whole idea of Austin expressing himself and saying, look, I know who I am. I'm a great fucking pro wrestler. I'm a superstar. And I came to ECW, and what do I see? I see the Sandman. Yeah. I see the gangsters. Yeah. I see Mikey Whip, whatever the hell his name is. It, it, it's him <laughs> becoming this incredible talker and really showing people he has what it takes. That WCW was wrong to let him go. He's going to prove that I'm the superstar that I know I can be. You know, it's but it's also within the realm of the ECW story. It, it, it works both ways. Yeah. You have Austin expressing his real life feelings. But also using that to generate a great storyline mm-hmm. for ECW. This pompous, again, the pompous, better than you. I'm so much better than these garbage wrestlers that you have here in ECW. And I'm going to reflect that. Jesus Christ, superstar. I am your savior, ECW. I am your savior. I am your hero. I am your icon. I'm going to take this stupid bingo hall company to the top. Perfect. He was doing he was doing gorgeous George almost just in a more modern way. Yeah. Uh, coming out there, I, I'm better than you. I look better than you. But it's ECW. It's nitty. It's gritty. I'm wrestling a guy like the Sandman. I'm wrestling a guy like Mikey Whipwreck. I'm wrestling both of them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, segments. You talk about the promo about Eric Bischoff. I cannot tell you how many times I watched that promo mm. as one of those hidden Easter eggs on those ECW Unleashed or ECW Uncensored <laughs> DVDs, yeah. you know, followed by the Mikey Whipwreck Sandman Steve Austin match. Just so weird because, of course, I didn't see any of that until after you got Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it was weird seeing the back-in-time Steve Austin and it yeah. perfectly fit. And this music, yeah, it, it almost makes you wish that you were alive at an ECW show with Steve Austin in the cards, seeing this music come out and seeing the crowd go crazy before yeah. he really was. I mean, this was a WCW mid Carter yeah, exactly. going to ECW. This wasn't stone cold Steve Austin yet. The crowd kind of treated him as if he would be that, uh, he acted like he was going to be that, uh, it, it worked perfectly. His little small run in ECW. He was an, an indie darling and they treated oh, him yeah. like an indie darling, even though he wasn't an indie darling. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like it, it went the opposite order here. You know, yeah. Cody Rhodes going from WWF exactly. as a mid Carter to ROH. I mean, Steve Austin's run in ECW is kind of like what Cody Rhodes run right now is in ROH. Jesus Christ Superstar, by the way, is another song that was used before by a bunch of guys. Superstar Billy Graham, Don Morocco, actually Damien Sandow used it later on. Uh, and you know, when he started his career. So the list goes on and on for this song. So it, it has a lot of likes. The fourth prestigious King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory. 
The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's gotta do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. As the king of the ring, I'm serving notice to every one of the WWF superstars. I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list, and that's Stone Cold's list, and I'm fixing to start running through all of them. As far as this championship match is considered, son, I don't give a damn if it's Davey Boy Smith or Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin's time has come. And when I get the shot, you're looking at the next WWF champion. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Obviously, anything but humble, the fourth prestigious king of the ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin eventually signs with the WWF and debuts in early 1996 as the ringmaster, managed by Ted DiBiase. Not the most auspicious start for his WWF career, but that's true for a lot of guys, to be honest. And we'll see that the ringmaster doesn't last too long. Mm -hmm. And neither does the ringmaster theme, only about eight months or so. It's by Jim Johnston. It's Austin's first Jim Johnston theme, and it's called Circle of Doom. So I had never heard this theme in full before, and I gotta say, this is a spookier theme than I had realized. It, yes. starts, it starts with that concussive shot, that BOW, and the ro creepy rising synth, and before segueing into this orchestral part with the strings and the timpani drums, uh, the concussive blasts reappear all throughout. It's very nerve-wracking, very tense. It's like a tenser version of Goldust's theme, in a way. That's what it reminds me of. And also reminds me, actually, going back to the Halloween episode, episode 20, a few weeks ago, of a combination between Psycho Sid's theme and Doink the Clown's heel theme with the synth orchestra combo. Very spooky. Yeah, it's more, uh, to me, I was thinking a, a mix of that Goldust uh, is a good one to bring out. It's more mankind than masters in a way. Yes. It's, it's got that more ominous sound to it. 
Like you, you, you think Jim Johnston was going for something more pompous and pretentious almost. Yet this is what came out. Almost like he was making this theme while also working on the Undertaker and Mankind themes. Uh, and it just kind of got this, he had a sense in his head of what this should be. Uh, it also goes several different directions too, because as you listen to this going on, it's almost as if it was like a, a big opera scene and it's going in so many directions, like a play in your head almost starts mm. like this. This is where the two guys are battling. No, no. One of the main heroes is falling in love. Like it's such a weird theme going in so many different directions and the title most certainly does not fit what this theme is yeah. <laughs> um, because even though it is more ominous, it's still not a circle of doom. No, I, I, I don't know what was going on here with Jim Johnston. Uh, Jim Johnston has said in interviews that Steve Austin, not only is that Steve Austin iconic theme that we're still yet to get to is his favorite one, but it was the most stressful theme to eventually get to because he had, you know, this circle of doom try and yeah. you're trying to fit a, a character with a theme and a theme with a character and he was one of the toughest characters to get a theme just right for. And it's unbelievable that it really only took him, you know, two or three tries to get to a great Steve Austin theme. And he got kind of lucky. Like he was writing for a character that was still on the rise instead of one that was a main event player. Cause I'm sure that is stressful yeah. for any songwriter. Like I need to make this grandiose theme for the world heavyweight champion. Probably not as stressful to make a grandiose theme for a low Carter on the rise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this theme is so, so weird that if you have never heard it, if you have never heard it before, you have to go listen to the entire thing. Not because of the history of Steve Austin, just because of how weird this theme was to start a, an all time great character in WWF. This was the WWF first theme of Steve Austin. It is a historical footnote. Yep. You have to go listen to it. And not only is it the first theme for Steve Austin, it's the first theme for Stone Cold Steve Austin because mm, right. in the spring of 96, that's when he stopped being the ringmaster and started being Stone Cold, but he kept the music. He had the bald <laughs> head and the vest, the goatee. He had Austin 316, the King of the Ring. He had this song for all of that going forward. Look up the video of King of the Ring and you can hear the song being played as he's walking up the steps to the throne. And as a theme for the Stone Cold character, it's very foreboding. And for a guy like Austin, who can be very intimidating and downright scary at times, yeah. it could fit. Mm -hmm. Not Maybe not for later on when Stone Cold became the more babyface-ish and charismatic and more of like a man of the people. But as far as like early Stone Cold, yeah. where he's this chilling, cold, calculating guy... It definitely works, I think. You I, can see it working. I think you're right, too. And it, it, it's kind of like the Mankind theme, the early Mankind theme before the uh, the car crash theme. Yes. Uh, where it's a little slow. It's, uh, you know, it gets, it, it doesn't really get louder. It just gets more noisy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very interesting theme for Steve Austin. And it probably, you know, that transition from stunning Steve or superstar Steve or the ringmaster into Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's the time period where it does fit the best. Not the early part, not the late part, obviously, uh, but that middle part, it's a, it's a very interesting theme. I mean, it's, it's one of those themes where historically it's not, it's not just a footnote. It's not just a trivia question. Uh, it's something to go back and, and, and just know offhand. So that's why I, I love this uh, podcast and this podcast idea, because it really gets you like, oh yeah, Steve Austin had 15 themes and not just the two or three we remember. October 20th, 
1996 is a very important date. WWF In Your House, Buried Alive is the debut of Austin's new theme. A theme that will shake the foundations of the wrestling world with one simple sound. The song is Hell Frozen Over. First things first, Rob, the glass shatters. Quite possibly the most iconic sound in pro wrestling. It's impossible for a wrestling fan to not associate this sound with Stone Cold. It's practically Pavlovian at this point to hear glass breaking and think, oh shit, here comes Stone Cold, which is the point of the sound being there in the first place. Uh, Jim Johnston was on Austin's podcast. And he talked about coming up with the idea for the glass break. It wasn't added in, actually, until the song Hell Frozen Over was about done. He wanted a signature sound that would evoke this oh-my-god reaction out of people. Because he felt that the sound of breaking glass is almost universally perceived as, oh shit, something bad is about to happen. Mm -hmm. And we've seen now for years, over 20 years that this is true. The glass shatters, the crowd goes nuts, Austin comes out, and shit goes down. Whether he beats someone up, he saves the day, he comes out for a match, beer truck, Zamboni, the Eliminator, Stunner, whatever, anything. It's as part of Austin's identity as the bald head and the vest and the stunner and all of it. It's so important. It is very important to this theme to get the uh, crowd up right away. But you take the glass shattering out of the theme, it is not a very hot start. Like, obviously, this is, uh, and the, the version after really becomes the iconic Steve Austin theme. Yes. And one of the most iconic themes of all time. But it, it may not have failed had there not been the glass shattering. But it certainly helped make this theme uh, the Steve Austin theme we would remember to this day, 20 years later, because that glass shattering opens up on such a hot note that you don't notice the the first real notes of the song, especially this version, the Hell Frozen Over version. It's kind of slow going at first. It's not incredibly noisy. It's not incredibly loud. It's, it's kind of slow the first couple of notes as it gets louder uh, moving on and gets into the uh, danger zone there. But the glass shattering certainly helps. It's almost more important uh, than the song itself, the glass shattering. So it's a very uh, a very good ad there. I mean, this is one of those, it's a small ad, but a genius ad. Do you know how Jim Johnston made that sound? Uh, I have no idea how he made that sound. Um, I, I know he, uh, he has told it. I'm just not 100% sure if I remember it. 
what he did was he recorded two different pieces of glass breaking. Okay. Then he com- then he combined that with an explosion and a car crash. Huh. Well, there you and go. He layered and he layered all of those samples on top of each other. But due to the high frequency sounds of the glass breaking, you don't really hear the explosion or the car crash. You just hear the glass, which is it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's danger. It's danger coming yes. at you. I mean, Steve Austin isn't here to shake your hand. He's coming out here nope. to to stun you, to kill you, to murder you, to death you. Now, as far as the rest of the song is concerned, Hell Frozen Over is the first version of the iconic Stone Cold theme. Mm-hmm. It debuted in 96. And it has pretty much all of the elements of the song that we'll talk about right after this one, uh, which is, of course, like, as you said, the theme that people associate with Austin the most. It's got the same rhythms, the same riffs, the same type signatures, the same structure, certainly the same genre. Uh, the song has a hard edge to it, yep. uh, as hard as uh, as Satan's Sister and Van Halen does, absolutely. Uh, the drums really pop in your ear. The guitars are low-toned and menacing. A great job done by Jim Johnston to fully distinguish between the ringmaster Steve Austin and Stone Cold Steve Austin, certainly. Ringmaster is spooky synths and strings it's it's haunting it's mysterious it's fantastical even the name ringmaster has a heightened nature to it hell frozen over is rock guitars and pounding drums it has these jagged guitar riffs dunna 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 it's gritty it's menacing it's street level it's real the key to stone cold was that he was just this guy. And this theme does so well in accentuating that with how it's composed. And the song is also perfect for the Austin walk. You know, yes. that, that walk he does, it, it just works so well, certainly. The key differences with this song and the next one is that the production for Hell Frozen Over is noticeably more dated, I think. It, it, oh, it's yeah. the mid-90s. It has that, mid, that mid-90s Jim Johnston rock sound mm-hmm. with the instruments being a bit more processed. Not to say that it majorly detracts from the song, but you can really pinpoint when this theme came out, I believe. The other difference is the police siren. Hell Frozen Over has a police siren in the background, which is a little silly looking back, but it does add, I think, to that whole chaotic, beer-drinking hell-raising type of character that Stone Cold was. Yeah, I think it was one thing too far. Like, that's what Jim Johnston put in there to make it a loud theme. Uh, But you're right. I mean, production-wise, if you had only heard Hell Frozen Over, you wouldn't think anything of it. But once you hear uh, the next song that would become the iconic theme, you're like, you go back to Hell Frozen Over, and you're like, man, this is is just kind of bland. I mean, I get the the background is there, uh, but it's there's not a lot going on. Uh, it is, it is totally an old theme, if you will. Uh, what I do like about it is as I got into playing video games and playing wrestling video games, like, I believe this was the theme that Austin had for the WWF Warzone game and the WWF attitude game, like the first PlayStation games I had that were wrestling related. And I always liked having Steve Austin come out to that theme because it fit a, a video game well. Um, but it, the signs were there. This was, this was Steve Austin. This was stone cold Steve Austin coming. And it was not only a great first attempt at catching a stone cold Steve Austin theme, but it might be the greatest first attempt in history of a pro wrestling theme to fit a character just super well. Um, and he had a lot of these in the late nineties because, uh, 
I, I kind of, I, I kind of liken it with Chris Jericho. I mean, Chris Jericho's first theme was a little bit of hell frozen over to where it wasn't, it wasn't the super loud theme. It was a little slowish. And then the second version became the iconic Chris Jericho theme. This is what happens. You, you get a good idea, you have the basis down and then you improve on it and just perfect it. I would also put Undertaker in that same category. Yes. Oh yeah. Coming out of Survivor Series 1990 with the, the funeral yes. dirge. Definitely a different version than he had with Graveyard Symphony, but you can tell that it worked for Undertaker, no matter what type of, of production it had. That da, na, 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 that works for Undertaker, and it was a home run right from the get-go. Same is true for Austin with this one. Yep, you get the uh, you get the basis down. You're like, okay, this is great. This is working. Let's let's add a little bit to it. Let's change what needs to be changed, and let's make it the perfect theme. Yes. So uh, I'm glad they didn't stick to it. I'm glad they they evolved it. Uh, but I'm certainly glad for both Steve Austin, Jim Johnson, the WWF, and us that they that they created this theme and they found it because it is one of the most recognizable pro wrestling themes of all time. Now there's another version of Hell Frozen Over which is off of WWF The Music Volume 2, which has Austin saying some dialogue mixed in with the yeah. song. You are completely pathetic. You know, you can start begging for some mercy right now because you ain't got what it takes to stay in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin from bell to bell. Why can't I be like Stone Cold? Because people like you make me sick. You will beg for mercy. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. And, and almost, doesn't that actually make our point for us that they created this version and there was so much not necessarily dead space, but slower space in the music that you can fit all this spoken word stuff in. Cause you could not fit the spoken word stuff into the newer Steve Austin themes that would come out, uh, recently after this, but because there was that space, you could fit spoken word stuff in there, release a spoken word version. And it would be roughly the same theme just with Steve Austin's added phrases from WWF TV. It kind of makes our point for us that yes, this song needed to be improved. It was a great start. It was fantastic. It's the theme that a lot of you probably remember uh, as the first time you heard, okay, this is Stone Cold Steve Austin coming to the ring. Uh, but it had to be improved, and they certainly improved it. I wonder, though, uh, if did they have Austin in the studio and he just said some random insults that they didn't put in? Oh, man, that shirt looks terrible on you, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I they, I couldn't tell, honestly, if it was just uh, words taken from WWF TV or if he was actually in a studio just trying to replicate his sound. Um, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what was going on, but imagine Steve Austin in a studio for a few hours trying to record spoken word for a theme song that's going to be released on a CD. Like, what the hell does he care? <laughs> and he's probably just... Uh, they probably only used the three things they could, and it was another two probably. hours of him saying nonsense. Yeah. Your favorite comedy is Biodome, you piece of trash. Like, just random nonsense, exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I miss uh, working Macon with Brian Pillman. <laughs> yeah. So Austin has Hell Frozen Over for about two years. He has it until October 11th, 1998. So that includes both Royal Rumble wins, the IC title reigns, the Bret Hart feud, breaking his neck, 
and finally winning the WWF title at WrestleMania 14, ushering in the Austin era. October 12th, 1998 is the debut of the second version of the classic Stone Cold theme, the one that he still uses to this very day off of WWF The Music Volume 3. This is I Won't Do What You Tell Me. This song and Hell Frozen Over are essentially the same song, but you can tell listening to I Won't Do What You Tell Me that there is a world of difference here when it comes to how it sounds. Everything sounds crisp. I think crisp is the right word for this song. Hell Frozen Over is good, but the production makes it sound dated. Here we have a song that doesn't pull you out of it because of how it sounds. It's timeless and so well produced. Even the glass shattering sounds better. It's just a full production. And like you said, Rob, it's proof that the foundation was there. Now they just had to build up and they built it up into this beautiful, beautiful theme. Absolutely. And this is the iconic Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin theme. This is fuller. There is, it's louder. There's no, there's no downtime in the song if you will uh, and yes the fact that he still uses it to this day it is nearing a 20 year old theme yeah there were some spots in between where he wasn't using this theme but Which everyone we'll knew to. oh yeah oh we will get to <laughs> we will the get millions to. uh but this is not only a great theme for that character then but it's still a steve austin's coming out here as a 50 year old you know he's got the beer guy you know he doesn't he doesn't take the shirt off anymore. He's not the Stone Cold Steve Austin of yesteryear. But when this theme music hits, it takes you back to 1998, 1999 Steve Austin. Uh, it, it, it's, it's as good of a theme song as you could ever get. And think of all the different 1998 theme songs that were going out there. I mean, they had redone Mankind's theme to the car crash. Uh, the Undertaker was still using different versions of theme songs going out there. Uh, but nothing was as loud as the Steve Austin, not even the rock. I mean, it took the rock another year or two years before he got the current theme that he uses right now. Uh, this was ahead of its time in a way. And a theme song that if it debuted right now on WWF TV would probably still be the best theme song they have. And, and this is an era of great theme songs all around. This is unbelievable in the production, the character that it fits and the timeliness uh, and timelessness, really, of of what a musical theme song would be for a pro wrestler. Uh, this is this is the iconic pro wrestling theme. This is a song that I have heard millions of times, but because it sounds so well and because it, mm -hmm. it's so timeless, I still get into it. I mean, just listening to this song in preparation for the show in my headphones on its own, I, I, I just get lost in it. 
there's something about this collection of guitar riffs, yep. the pounding drums, the glass shattering. You realize just how effective and important this song is to wrestling. Because without this theme, part of what made Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, is missing. It just works so well. Yeah, it's missing and it makes going back to Hell Frozen Over uh, just think like, how are we listening to Hell Frozen yeah. Over and thinking it was so cool? Um, honestly, like it's the same song, but it's not the same song. Yeah. I also believe that most people, if you asked, what is the iconic Steve Austin theme song or played this theme song for people and asked, what was it called? I, I thought that it was called Hell Frozen Over. I thought this version of the theme was Hell Frozen Over. And I bet, I, I don't know. But I bet a majority of people that we asked that are, you know, into pro wrestling that were watching around this time that are into music on it. I think a lot of people would also say Hell Frozen Over. So it's one of those uh, it's one of those funny things you go back and see that Hell Frozen Over was the first version. This mm. was the big version uh, and and easily the best version. Yeah. Speaking of Hell Frozen Over, actually, uh, we do not get the goofy police sirens in this song. Yes. So this song is even more serious and badass than Hell Frozen Over is. Super duper serious yeah as far as the title is concerned here's something that i found out that's actually pretty cool about the title i won't do what you tell me uh steve austin went to jim johnston and asked him to you'll know, make make him a song that sounded like bulls on parade by rage against the machine not a direct copy but a template for the type of sound that he wanted and playing the two songs sound by side they do sound very similar in tone. Not an exact ripoff, of course, but you can hear the influence. Which brings me to the title of the song, I Won't Do What You Tell Me. That is a line from the Rage Against the Machine song, Killing in the Name. That's a nice little tip of the hat to Rage. And, in general, it's also the motto of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I won't do what you tell me sums up his entire character right there. So it works both ways. Absolutely. And and it's one of those things where Steve Austin had this much input. He was picking his Van Halen songs. He may have picked his David Bowie song. And he's got a lot of input in here. And if you're Jim Johnston, Steve Austin's on the rise. He's the biggest star in the company right now. You're going to listen to his input. I mean, this is a guy who, when he tells you he wants something, um, not only should you, you know, work towards that goal so that he's feeling comfortable going out there, but it's got to take some of the pressure off, right? I mean, maybe it adds pressure. I don't know, but it's got to take some pressure off. I think that, okay, I got some input here. I can put together something that I know is a template for what he wants. Uh, and even if it ends up not working, at least I know, and Steve Austin knows uh, that I will try to find him something that he wants. Uh, so this goes to the Jim Johnston relationship with the talent too. You know, he's trying to find, he's looking at the guys, he's playing the music as he watches video. These guys come to the ring. He's trying to fit something uh, to them. Uh, this song fits the walk. It fits, it fits the uh, violent nature of Steve Austin, what he was being in, uh, in this day and age in WWF. Um, I, I just don't know of a more perfect theme you can find for somebody. Towards the end of 1999, Austin is pretty banged up and needs to take time off for surgery to get better. So WWF does the sensible thing and has Rikishi run Stone Cold over with a car at Survivor Series 1999, uh, as you do. Austin takes almost a year off of wrestling 
then makes his big comeback at No Mercy 2000. The month before, at Unforgiven, he debuts a brand new theme. Off the album WWF Forcible Entry, this is Disturbed with Glass Shatters. This is Austin's first theme since the USWA, to be from a popular artist and to have lyrics. Uh, the artist in question is Disturbed. Now I know Disturbed is one of those bands that people tend to make fun of, they're the Animal Noises band, and to be fair, David Draymond, the lead singer, does enjoy making weird noises with his mouth. <laughs> But that said, I will still sit here and call myself a Disturbed fan. Not a super mega fan. I've got like, I don't know, 30 songs of theirs in my iTunes. Not their entire discography, but I do enjoy them quite a bit. And the choice to use Disturbed for this theme is actually quite on point for the WWF because it's 2000, new metal is still a big thing, Disturbed has actually just arrived on the scene. Their debut album, The Sickness, had dropped back in March. Down with The Sickness, uh, their most popular song, won't be released as a single until October, but that became a huge hit. So I gotta give credit to WWF for capitalizing on the new metal craze and getting this hot new metal band to do the theme for their biggest wrestler. Yeah, and they kind of got lucky that Disturbed had quite a few hits, both uh, yeah. during and after uh, this song hitting. Uh, this also an iconic Steve Austin theme. If you you know the Steve Austin theme with words, people are saying Disturbed, yeah. they're saying Glass Shatters, the name fits everything. Forcible Entry also underrated album. Great album. Oh my gosh, great I, album, great songs on that. One of the best WWF. I used to love those WWF theme CDs that would come out, and Forcible Entry on there was just. Uh, was probably one of my favorites. Uh, not with every song on the top of my head, but right now, Forcible Entry, I would believe. Because I used to love that album. And and this song fit. Um, you know, obviously, it's a play on his iconic, you know, I won't do yep. what you tell me theme. It's, you know, it's got the disturbed words in there. Disturbed's a good time. You you want to listen to something hard. You're just driving around. You want to listen to something uh, metalish, hard. I, I was a big, uh, I was a disturbed guy. I would download some disturbed songs. I had downloaded... Uh, some disturbed on the old Napster machine for a while. 
Uh, so I, I'm right there with you, Andrew. It's not like I, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I listened and had some disturbed. I don't. I don't think I have any on the iTunes anymore. Just kind of fell out of that. Uh, but at the time, for sure. Uh, and he used this theme song. I, I honestly did not realize how little it was used. Like, it was a pretty short period of time. Uh, yeah, less than a whole uh, year. I This is one of those things where it surprised me that I thought he was using this for, for much longer. But the time periods make sense. I mean, he was out for a year. Then later on, he was with the Alliance. It, it makes sense that it was less than a year. It still surprised me. Yeah, only about nine, ten months or so. The song itself, not much to say about it. it it's You hit the nail on the head there, Rob. It's Disturbed pretty much covering I Won't Do What You right. Tell Me, putting their own new metal sound on it as opposed to Jim Johnston's more traditional southern uh, hard rock sound. So it's heavier than the original version, of course. And as far as the lyrics are concerned, I hadn't heard the song in full in a long time. So when we were preparing for this, I looked up the lyrics. I didn't realize just how repetitive the lyrics are because there are like seven unique lines in the song. Yeah that are just repeated over and over again. Mm -hmm. Step up, because you're the next one in line for the kill. You don't believe me, but I'm betting that you will. Step up, I'll let you live a little bit with the pain that I bring. You know it's only the beginning. I'm breaking the limit inside you. Stop begging someone to hide you. Repeat that three times. I'm breaking the limit inside you. Don't run away. Bring it on straight to me. Rinse and repeat. So it's not exactly tangled up in blue, but I think it gets the point across. Austin's on the hunt. He's still violent. He's still dangerous. He's still aggressive. He's going to beat you up. The typical Austin shtick. So it it works in that regard, certainly. It works. And, and that's what I like about when, when artists come in to revamp a, a theme song, a WWF theme. I like when they keep it as close to the actual theme that you like. Um, you know, Batista's... Uh, big iconic WWF theme was a play on the Jim Johnston song that was created for him. It wasn't changed. It was just, it was the same song, but louder with words. And that's, uh, that's when you get the good stuff. When you completely change a song just to bring an artist in, that's no good. Uh, you talk about the lyrics too. And you think about it, like it's gotta be an easy gig for these bands to come in. They don't have to really write anything. They can, it's a theme song. You're only going to hear mostly the first minute to minute and a half. It doesn't, it, this isn't a song that's playing for five minutes down the road, unless you're Randy Orton making Romania entrance. It's not <laughs> playing that long. No. Um, AJ Styles theme, his current theme. I mean, it's, it's no, they don't want none. No, they don't want none for two yeah. minutes at a time. There's not a lot of words there. I mean, the wordsmiths aren't working on these wrestling themes. Um, and that's what you want. I don't want a lot of words. I don't want a story in the song. Just, you know, bash me over the head with loudness. That's what I want. <laughs> and that's what Disturbed did with this theme. Yes. It's it's a shame it didn't last as long as I thought it did. Well, there's a reason it didn't last that long. But we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. I will say that the choice to change over from I Won't Do What You Tell Me to Glass Shatters is quite significant because Austin had this theme from his return after the hit and run all the way through the Royal Rumble 2001 win through WrestleMania 17. And Mania 17 is when Austin, to quote Jim Ross, sells his soul to the devil himself, Vince McMahon, to win the WWF title. Anything, and damn it, I mean 
Steve, why this way? Oh, you might as well urinate on the rock. Austin turns heel. And I don't know if this is intentional or not. Most likely not. But the fact that Austin changed his entrance music to something that was a bit heavier, a bit noisier, and going not too far away from the classic theme, but going to a different song at all, is a nice case of foreshadowing where Austin is now a different guy. He's no longer the valiant babyface fighting for the everyman. Now he's this he's just a bad guy. I think it's pretty cool. Absolutely. No, the the foreshadowing. You can you can look back at the theme songs his entire career and see foreshadowing in them uh that really shouldn't even be there and probably isn't there, but all but makes sense with the timeline at the same time. It's a career filled with foreshadowing themes. So Austin as a heel keeps glass shatters for a few months post WrestleMania 17, the Raw after the invasion pay-per-view, where Austin betrays the WWF and jumps ship to the Alliance. Austin gets a new theme just for one night, July 23rd, 2001. It's called Rattlesnake. It is startling to hear this theme. First of all, we don't get the glass shattering. That is thrown out the window. Instead of that, we get this high-pitched guitar. This lower, heavier guitar. of the And in the background, what sounds like the glass shatter sound effect going in reverse. This deep bass line comes in. The drums start to pound. Then it transitions into what is effectively this twisted, slowed down, bluesy version 
of I Won't Do What You Tell Me, complete with bluesy guitar solos. So it's a very different take than what we've been used to for the previous four years. It's garbage, Andrew. You're very nice and polite there. It's garbage. It's junk. <laughs> it was thrown away after one night because it was spoiled so quickly. Uh, this was spoiled meat, and it had to be thrown out. And there was there was no redeeming qualities about this at all. They tried reversing sounds. They tried making it the iconic theme, but also at the same time making it so different. Um, it was a try. It was it was a try, uh, but nothing more than that. And it did not last super long. I I don't think most people out there will remember this theme. Probably not. Maybe have never even heard it ever and would think nothing of it. If you listen to it, you don't even know it, it would be a Steve Austin theme. You know, li- go to a Steve Austin fan, play this theme for him and tell them that this theme was used by a wrestler in the early 2000s. And, and I don't think people guess Steve Austin as similar as it sounds in parts. It's so different. Mm, yeah. I will say though, that as strange as it is to hear this theme associated with Austin as a heel theme for this version of Austin goes, I think it fits the bill because 2001 heel Austin was this paranoid, violent, unhinged psychopath who had gone off the rails, you know, siding with Vince and triple H mm-hmm. to form the power trip, siding with the Alliance later on the what chance the manic behavior, the insane look on his eyes, the yeah. hugging Vince, the guitar playing, all of it. So to have this theme, this twisted nightmare of the Stone Cold theme, it's an apt representation of the twisted person that Austin had become. Even little things like the glass you know, going in reverse, that becoming distorted, it adds the, that effect. So even though this theme wasn't amazing, wasn't iconic at all, only lasted one night. I think it's an interesting look at a heel Austin theme and what that could have been. And and I would say too, it it, it fits if you want to look at not so much the song, but the fact that this was a change and only lasted one night. That was the Steve Austin character that summer. He was a heel. He sided with Vince McMahon. But then as you got the Alliance stuff going on, like he was still with Vince and with WWF, but he would switch over, go to the Alliance. Mm -hmm. Um, He would be anti-Vince McMahon. He was going back and forth. Uh, That summer really marked part of the rise of Kurt Angle too, uh, because Steve Austin was going back and forth. Kurt Angle was going back and forth. One night, Kurt Angle would be the baby face. The next night, Steve Austin was the baby face. And and the crowd was just going in a whirlwind. Every single week was a different WWF show with you didn't know who the big star was and who the big baby face was. And and that is a funny point with these WWF theme changes for Steve Austin is because, yeah, he was he was uh, he was going crazy. He was he was the insane Steve Austin. He you didn't know where he stood and you wouldn't know where he stood because you didn't know what theme he was going to use week to week. Very uh, as manic and crazy as as Austin was. So were his themes. You know, one week it's this, and another week it's that. It's very up in the air, certainly. Um, uh, uh, only a couple of days later, July 26, 2001, the SmackDown after Invasion, Austin gets another one-night-only theme. And this is called Hell on Earth.
like Rattlesnake, another twisted take on I Won't Do What You Tell Me, although there are you know, some differences here. The glass shattering is back, although it's a different sound effect. Mm -hmm. It's deeper, and it lasts a split second longer, so it's like a... In a, it's like a heel glass shattering, if, you, if that makes sense, you know? The the whiny guitar line is taking out that... That's gone. We only have the slow down stone cold riff. You still have the bluesy guitar solo in the background. The sound quality for this one, I know, is not that great. No. I found it on YouTube. There really aren't any great clips of this at all. This is the best I could find. Uh, but... We can still you can still hear it, the basics of it. Um, again, not an amazing theme by any stretch. Even in the good quality sound, it still sounded like if you were if you were on Napster in 2001 trying to find Steve Austin themes, and you thought you were downloading Hell Frozen Over or I don't or don't uh, or I won't do what you tell me, and you got this Hell on Earth theme, it was close enough to where you're like, okay, did I download the right one? But also whacked up enough. To where, no, you did not download the right one. Get this off of your computer. It's probably loaded with viruses. <laughs> Remove it immediately. Um, it was a remix of the iconic theme, but it it did not have the same sound, and it had to go. It, it's funny. You know, in 1996, Hell Freezes Over. Great theme. Hell Frozen Over. Now it's thawed. Okay. Hell has risen. Yeah, hell is on hell Earth. Hell is on Earth, yes. And this song is as disastrous as that scenario would be. So it fits in that regard. Hell on Earth is Stone Cold being on the same side as Sean Stasiak oh. and, and Chuck Palumbo. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's another, you know, take on insane Stone Cold Steve Austin. What theme would that sound like? But obviously Jim Johnston isn't happy with it because it only lasts one night. Or at least maybe Vince isn't happy with it or Austin or... Someone isn't happy. Everyone's unhappy sure. with it. No, no one is happy with this theme, which is why it changes again the next week. His third new theme in a week. And this one only lasts two shows. The Raw on July 30th and the SmackDown on August 2nd. We know that Jim Johnston loves to tinker around with his themes. You know, on the Undertaker episode, we played like eight different versions of Dark Side. So it's not uncommon for there to be a quick succession of theme changes. But it's still jarring to have Austin go from being, you know, pretty consistent with his themes for four years to having three different themes in a week. When he's your top guy, nonetheless, as well. Exactly, yeah. It's not a good look to have this going on for him. And this third theme is called Paranoid. Again, a strong departure from the norm. The strongest so far, certainly. Because the evil glass shattering is still there, but the stone-cold rifts are completely gone. 
thrown out the window. Bye-bye. Instead, we get a completely new set of rifts to symbolize that Austin has moved away from his past Attitude Era self and devolved into the lunacy of 2001 Invasion Heel Austin. There are two main riffs here. The that riff and the chugga chugga those are the new riffs and they're very different and frantic and very jarring to hear if you're a Stone Cold fan that's kind of the point again but still it's so strange to see Stone Cold come out to this well it's jarring but if you were a fan in attendance for any of these uh, three weeks or two weeks of WWF TV you didn't know who the hell was coming out. Yeah. You had to be so confused. Like, there are no reactions at first for Steve Austin on any of these shows because you don't know what music he's coming to. And even if you were aware of the new theme he had used the week before, you're still confused because he's not keeping a theme song for more than a day at this point. Like, this was the longest reigning theme he had had in three themes lasting three days. Like, unbelievable. It's not real. And you have to wait until Steve Austin comes out. You get the confusion over with. And now the crowd's going nuts for this guy who's a heel face, heel face, heel face over and over again. Um, yeah, we needed some stability at this point. We needed Stone Cold stability. We needed the old Stone Cold. Yeah, uh, we needed the old Stone Cold Austin, back. Austin, oh. Stone Cold, come back. Stunner me. <laughs> maybe they were going for that. Maybe maybe this is a whole meta thing Jim Johnston was doing, and we're just now getting it. Like, for 20 years, we're bashing. Uh, what is Jim Johnston doing? Why is he changing the theme every single week? Like, was the theme really that bad that you couldn't give it a chance for two weeks? And maybe this is the idea. Like, Steve Austin is so crazy that every single night he's going out there with a new CD mm. and a new theme song. Uh, super meta, Jim Johnston. You're a hero. Yeah. And you should be a WWE Hall of Famer. Absolutely, yeah. I will say, though, there's a section in the song that is, I don't know how to describe it. It's like someone speaking through a voice processor, and all they're saying is... I think that's what that is. I don't. (laughs) It's very strange to have in an Austin theme because Austin themes are pretty much always guitar riffs and drums. That's pretty much all it is. You don't get like strange, like industrial, like, you know, like experimental stuff like this. So uh, it's very, very weird. It's funny, too, that we have talked about the last three theme songs he had used longer than they ever made appearances on WWF TV. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, let's get to our fourth and final heel theme uh, of of this this little, little, little quartet here, Rob, as well as the final theme of the episode. And this is one that he used for more than a week. How about that? Mm. August 6th to November 29th, 2001. It was released on the album WWE Uncaged 3. This is Venom.
not much to say about Venom. It's basically a resequenced, better sounding version of Paranoid. The order of the song is the glass shatters, go straight into the then the and then the it sounds cleaner and the sequencing here I think is is better than the sequencing in Paranoid. I think it flows together a lot nicer than the previous song. I would say so, and obviously the heel theme that everyone remembers from the Steve Austin run, uh, I would not be surprised if you ask people, write down the theme song Steve Austin used uh, from the Health Frozen Over theme to now. They would choose Health Frozen Over, they might choose the I, I Won't Do What You Tell Me, they obviously know the Disturbed Glass Shatters theme, and then they skip right to Venom, because you don't know those four in between. Uh, Venom, the, the heel, the Alliance, Steve Austin music, and, you know, when he Winnie, the Alliance is done. Survivor Series. The Alliance is over with. Uh, he's a babyface again. Ric Flair comes back. He's going against Kurt Angle. It's back to the old iconic theme. This one didn't last that long. And thankfully, it reminded me too, because uh, you know, somewhat close to the same period of time, obviously, uh, the, the Goldberg turn in WCW happened earlier than this time. But you, you had Goldberg going from his iconic theme uh, to another theme song yes. in WCW when he turned heel. And this is what uh, it, the WWF version of that, when Steve Austin, mega icon, goes from mega iconic music to generic rock, uh, generic rock, no words, uh, change of theme just because he's a heel now and not nearly as iconic. Um, it, it really does have a lot of parallels with the Goldberg heel turn in WCW. I remember when I was younger and I was delving into you know, watching matches from the past and really I'm getting to know your wrestling history. I remember one of the matches I watched was the five-on-five elimination match from Survivor Series 2001, which was Team WWF versus Team Alliance. And Team Alliance was, you know, at Austin on it and Angle and Booker T and all of those guys. And when Austin came out, he came out to this song, and I was used to, you know, the Stone Cold theme. I won't do what you tell me. So when he came out to, to Venom, I was like, what the hell is this? It was shocking to see Austin not come out to, you know, da na da na da na da da na. Instead, come out to you know, It was very strange for young me to realize that, you know, Austin wasn't always the good guy. You know, that the badass who fought for, you know, he beat people up, but he fought for the everyman. He fought for the side of the right in the end. But to see this like crazy you know, bad guy Steve Austin with this song. It was very strange to see that as a, as a kid. Crazy bad guy Steve Austin, who also was only on the Alliance because he didn't feel like Vince McMahon valued him. A very weird storyline this yeah. was, very weird music. The, the middle of 2001, the whole Alliance, the whole WCW purchase, as good as that WrestleMania 17 was, it set up one of the most wackiest years in pro wrestling history that even as many... As many fans are out there talking about how this year is wacky with the rise of Braun Strowman, you're going to have Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega wrestling. You're going to have, uh, you know, you had AJ Styles come into WWE. As crazy as the recent couple of years have been, 2001 is the all-time most surreal year. And just look at it. You had five or six different Steve Austin themes all in a mm -hmm. year-long span. Um, how he 
how he's the mega babyface after Survivor Series, even though he was the one who still and lost with the Alliance. Like Kurt Angle had to turn on Steve Austin to help the WWF claim victory. And Kurt Angle was the heel. Yeah. Like, such a wacky time in the WWF. And the end of the Venom use as his theme song uh, really ends what was the most surreal time period because everything gets back to normal. Yep. After Survivor Series, you have Steve Austin going back to his iconic theme. You have Steve Austin as mega baby face. You have him as world champion soon after this um, or at this time. It's a it's a very weird time. And the theme songs of Steve Austin that year correspond to the weirdness of the times. Like as the theme song went of Steve Austin, so did the year in WWF history. If I could borrow a comparison from the Attitude Era podcast 2001 Invasion Stone Cold Steve Austin, very much like Season 3 of Twin Peaks era Dale Cooper, because Dale Cooper spent 95% of that third season of Twin Peaks as this other persona, Dougie Jones. It was a complete departure of the Dale Cooper that we know and love, and that's true for Austin as well. 2001 Austin was this completely different guy. So unhinged, so crazy, so anti-Stone Cold. And the funny thing is, once the invasion was over, it was like, the whole thing never happened. Austin went back to using, I won't do what you tell me. He went back to being, you know, the the, the good, the valiant baby face. He wasn't crazy anymore. He went back to fighting the heels. Everything was going to be all right. Everything was going to go back to normal. Our long national nightmare was over with the death of Venom. Are you awake? 100%. Finally. That's a Twin Peaks reference there, Rob. Just just to let you know, I had to put it in there. <laughs> okay, put it in. Yeah, hey, it's your show. You can put whatever in there that you want. I, you, you can go crazy. So that was the theme history for Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of the all-time greats. There was some metal in there, some funk, some orchestration, more broken glass, in that barefoot scene in Die Hard, it was a lot of fun. Did you have fun, Rob? I did have fun. I, I learned some new things with the WWF themes. I can honestly say uh, I knew there was one week where he used something in between Glass Shatters and uh, Paranoid. I thought Paranoid and Venom were the same song, so I learned that was a different thing. And then I didn't really, uh, I didn't know what song he used in between. I just knew there was one, and apparently there were two. So I learned a lot about the uh, the 2001 year of Steve Austin and themes. You know, uh, n- not much to the theme songs he used early in his career. You know, use popular songs. People do that. But what popular songs he took really, uh, really told you what he uh, what he liked, what the personality of Steve Austin was, even though he may not have portrayed the same thing on TV. I had a fun time learning about the theme songs of Steve Austin, one of the most iconic superstars in the history of pro wrestling. And you could say entertainment in general. Stone Cold, he's an all-time great. He's one of our favorites. And uh, doing this episode was just so much fun, looking at the different themes that he's had. And it was fun looking at them with you, Rob. And, uh, hey, thanks again for coming on the podcast. If you ever want to come back on, the door is always open. Hey, thanks for having me. No, I I really enjoyed it. I might take you up on that invitation. Um, But, yeah, no, this uh, this was a good time. Go out there. Listen to the theme history of Steve Austin. Uh, in full you know we talk over the songs here but you got to hear these songs uh, one after another go listen to satan's sister tell me (laughs) tell me you don't see stone cold steve austin in that theme song listen to fame tell me you don't see stuff oh wait no sorry oh no no, no, no. 
Wrong song. Wrong song. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. Rob, I'll let you go first. What do you have to plug? Uh, you can catch Shake Them Ropes on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, shakethemropes.com, at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. Uh, we talk current, current day WWE, NXT, everything going on, live reaction shows after pay-per-views. Go check us out. Give us a follow. And Music of the Mat is also part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, along with other great podcasts like WrestleNomics, Open the Voice Gate, New Japan Procast, Burning Spirits, Wrestling Omakase, Five Star Match Game, and many, many more. Voicesofwrestling.com. Check them all out there. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Check out the VOW forums at voicesofwrestling.com slash form. That's where you'll find the YouTube playlists for each episode. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play, or check us out in the VOW podcast feed. For Rob McCarran, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.